All right, Omaha, welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin', and I'm really, really excited for the guests that I'm bringing you today. Uh, I have Ben Maids of All Courant uh, coming on the show today. This is super exciting. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now, this this was already like, we've had this scheduled for a few weeks, and this was already going to be just an awesome conversation. And then this past Wednesday, the James Beard Award Foundation comes out and announces their semifinalists. And you were one of the semifinalists for Best Chef in the Midwest. And first of all, I want to extend my congratulations to you. And for those who don't know, for individual chefs, James Beard Award is one of the highest honors that you can receive. So to just be on the semifinalist list, you are recognized as one of the best chefs in the country. I guess to kind of open it up to you, what does that nomination mean to you as a chef? And what was that day like for you? Um, you know, it was an awesome day. Uh, you know, I, I think you get kind of lost in the grind of just the restaurant and push, push, push like we have been for the last three and a half years. But, you know, I think it's super humbling and encouraging just to kind of get a nod, you know, that somebody somewhere else, you know, Omaha's tough just because a lot of people don't look at Omaha, you know, as on a national level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, five years ago, if somebody would have told me I was going to open up a restaurant in Omaha, I would have told them, you're crazy. I would never open up a restaurant in Omaha, but you know, here we are and you know, the community supported us and we're still here and you know, it just goes to show, it kind of validates everybody's hard work. You know, uh -huh. the whole team, we've been pushing so hard for the last three and a half years and it's awesome. You know, it's the greatest news ever. We're so happy to be able to share that with Dave Yoshitomo right down the street. Mm -hmm. You know, what an honor keeping everything right in Benson and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a dream come true. That's that's tremendous. Now, to introduce people a little bit more thoroughly to your restaurant, especially if they haven't been out there, um, Alcarant serves inspired new European cuisine. That's that's what it says on the website. That's how you guys kind of define it. But I'm giving you a chance to expand on that a little bit. How would you describe the experience a diner can expect when they come into your restaurant? So... I think Okran kind of, I mean, everything just kind of came together when we went to open that restaurant. You know, Carlos, my business partner, approached me. I, we've been friends forever. Funny story. We both actually worked at Espana at the same space like uh -huh. 15 years you ago. You were a dishwasher. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. Yeah. In the same spot. In the same exact everything. So, yeah, it's kind of funny how everything went full circle. Um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, Okran. Yeah, Why are you current. awesome? So, <laughs> I mean, I just kind of, you know, I, I've traveled a lot and, uh -huh. you know, and it's it's just basically a direct, um, I guess, how do I say this? It's just kind of how my food's evolved over the years, where I've traveled, where I've cooked, how I've learned to do things. And essentially just, you know, I needed to be in a position where I could create. And, you know, I wanted Acheron to be all about creation and serving the food that we wanted to serve and not be inhibited. And that's why we changed the menu every week. We were, you know, we're inspired by the local farmers. That's what kind of writes mm -hmm. the menu for us. And we continue to change, to push us to evolve, to keep changing, to, you know, stay on, stay on top of what's good. 
Now, I was doing a little research coming into this, and I found a quote that you gave to an article a couple of years ago that I absolutely just love, and I think should just be like splattered up on your windows. You said, we don't tell the farmers what product we want. We see what they bring us and then work our menu around it. It forces us to be creative. And I love that because that shows, A, you are not only using what is most fresh, what is most in season, but you are constantly innovating and being creative. You're not just taking one dish and saying, oh, that was a success. So we're just going to keep that on the menu forever. You're constantly pushing and seeing what else there is out there. What kind of drives you to have that creativity? You know, I think we just kind of realized it very early on. It was like a week or two into being open. And I was like, you know, we have this coming in. We have this coming in. I was like, we're going to change the menu every week. Uh And then we just started and we haven't stopped. And, you know, I mean, if somebody has 300 pounds of purple sweet potatoes, you're not going to say like, no, say we'll take him, we'll figure it out, uh-huh. you know, and then we just, it just, I mean, like I said, the menu kind of writes itself and we kind of have our guidelines, you know, we have our pasta sections and, you know, we'll always do kind of a raw fish or raw meat, but, you know, it's really interesting because the menu really kind of writes itself. You know, we have 500 pounds of potatoes in the basement right now, so there's going to be a lot of potatoes on the menu. You know, there's, this is what we have, so this is what we serve. And I think it's, it's really cool to show that, you know, the farmer community here is really able to support this restaurant, you know, three, mm-hmm. four or five years ago, it's like you weren't able to really get stuff year round. And it's awesome to just kind of the products we're getting. It just blows my mind. Now for, for people who don't know, you, you've mentioned how the menu changes every week. There's just like kind of a normal menu where there are some pasta dishes, there's some appetizers, there's some proteins that are going to be available for that whole week and they can just be ordered a la carte as it mm-hmm. or there is a shit six course tasting menu where the diner orders that and they don't necessarily know what they're getting but they are presented with six courses over the course of an hour and a half two hours and it's just my wife and i just did this on friday and it's so much fun because every time it's like there's like this expectation of waiting to see what arrives next and then it comes out and it's just beautiful and the server is explaining you know, what goes into it. And it's like every dish is a new adventure almost. How often does that menu change? Um, So that menu changes every week with everything else. So we don't have a set menu for that. Um, You know, I was really kind of scared to do that in the beginning just because people are picky. Uh (laughs) And I got to say, I am just so blown away by the amount of tasting menus that we sell on a given day. And if you haven't tried the tasting. That's kind of, it's set up for you to try the tasting. And yeah. that way you can, we send the best of what we have. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had base scallops in season. So we make sure that everybody gets fresh base scallops, you know, or like if we have foie gras torchon, you know, and somebody really likes foie, we'll make sure that they get foie gras torchon. So it's kind of our way to send the best of what we have. And if, our menu changes so frequently. If you really want to try a courant in a nutshell, you need to kind of do the chef's tasting because that's the only way you're going to try everything because there's only one dish that's ever repeated itself on the menu and that's our bolognese. And we just kind of do that because I love bolognese and I live in Italy for and a year and a half. it's delicious, yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's it. And other than that, you know, it's just constantly evolves and it's it's been kind of cool when we look back on 
what we've kind of served on the tasty menu and how it's evolved and what courses we do after this course. And so, you know, I think it's become a really cool way to, for people to try to restaurant. I'm just blown away by how many people are actually going for it. Now that's, it's something that I'm so fascinated. And I actually just had a conversation with a friend about this earlier this afternoon is just, that's still a relatively new concept to Omaha, the chef's tasting menu. I know you've been doing it for a couple of years, but it's something that I feel like most people are just becoming aware of. And there are a couple other restaurants that do it very well as well. Mm. But was there any trepidation at first of when you opened? I'm sure there was an excitement of being able to create all the time. But then was there any thought of like, but are people going to get it? Yes. I mean, for sure. You know, we opened with the chef's tasting menu, um, you know, and it, you know, it. yes, like people were scared. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think over time we kind of, we, you know, we really focus on execution and consistency and we really, no matter what we serve, you know, we try to make sure is it hot, is it seasoned properly, does it look good, you know, is everything proper and technique driven. And, you know, I think over time people have learned to trust us and, you know, I think people are just kind of catching on and going for it, so... Now, I know the life of a restaurateur and a chef is just crazy. You guys work <laughs> insane hours, you are constantly in the restaurant, constantly serving people, and that's a struggle even for restaurants that have static menus that are that are not changing very much. For someone like you who's constantly adapting and meeting with farmers and stuff, when do you find the time to come up with these? Like, when are you coming up with these new dishes? Is it just something that's constantly moving in your head, or do you have to set aside it time? Is stuff that's constantly moving. If I have ideas, I try to jot it down. Yeah. And one thing we've done since day one is we've sat down with the whole staff. That's awesome. And so everybody sits down on Thursday night, and we say, all right, guys, what are we putting on the menu um, Lee, one of my sous chefs, she writes a list of everything that's available, everything we have, everything that's going. And we go through the menu and we say, hey, let's bring in Dean's Poussin. You know, he custom raises smaller chickens for us. They're amazingly tender and delicious. Mm -hmm. And well, what do we want to do with Poussin this week? Well, we have carrots and potatoes. Let's do this, this, and this. And we run it and we try it. And yeah, that's, that's it. Does that ever get exhausting? I mean, it can, you know, right now it's a little bit tougher just because there's not a ton of produce right now. This yeah. time of year is always a little bit more challenging um, to write the menu. But, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you're stagnant, you know, if you stop evolving, then you stop learning and you stop growing and then you might as well stop cooking. So I love it. Uh, you've worked at, at several different restaurants since returning to Omaha and you've cooked from all over and we'll get into that a little bit. But I want to focus on, you worked at Avoli, you worked at the Market House, and then you opened Au Courant in 2016. Mm -hmm. What was, because that was like your first thing that you did by yourself. What was it like opening that restaurant? And especially, like you mentioned, kind of having that, that feeling of not knowing exactly if people were going to understand the concept at first. You know, I think it was super scary. Um, we didn't really tell anyone we were opening we did all the work ourselves you know i built a lot of the tabletops i built a big communal table i really? went the base like we i sent you know i spent hours in there sanding the floors and you know i made a wagyu brisket and everybody came out and helped sanded chairs 
And, you know, my sous chef, we'd be up on scaffolding, patching concrete. I mean, just crazy. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know how we did it. But, you know, we, we had a super small budget and we got the restaurant open. I think it took us seven weeks. And, you know, it was scary because we didn't really tell anyone we're opening. And it would be like, all right, we're open and no one's really eating here. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I had a good support crew, you know, and I kind of built not a big following, but a very small following. And all those people came to the soft opening and that was super awesome and supportive and just, you know, literally one 14 hour day at a time. We just kept grinding away and I wanted to be closed a couple of days a week so everybody could have a break and, you know, chug a lug, just choo-choo train a little bit here, a little bit there and you just slow and steady. Was there ever a point where you felt like, not that you've made it, because I'm sure you would say even now, as you've been a very successful restaurant, now you're getting recognized for awards and stuff, you would say there's still levels to climb. But was there ever a point in the last couple of years where it was like, okay, people recognize this now. Now it's not quite as much of a grind. We are established in the Omaha restaurant scene. Did you ever feel like there was that point? Um, no. I mean, I don't think so. I, I mean, we're still kind of push every day. You know, we still got to mm-hmm. pay our bills and we still got to watch where the money's going and stuff like that. It's obviously not a gold mine, but, you know, I think getting a nod from the James Beard was kind of huge. And I think if anything would kind of touch on that, I think that would kind of be the icing on the cake just to be like, hey, you know, and that was huge. So as far as close as it comes, but, you know, we... We don't get comfortable. We don't stop, you know, and that's just more reason for us to put our heads down, keep pushing and make sure we're executing. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to look at your background a little bit and feel free to add in any that I've missed. But from my research, you've cooked in. Well, first of all, you were born in Switzerland. You've cooked in California, Colorado, New York, Italy, Germany, fill in any other gaps that I'm missing. But how have all those different experiences helped form you into the chef that you are today? Um, You know, I mean, it was, you know, I kind of cooked and, you know, I kind of was young and I thought I knew what I was doing. And, you know, I was 21 and I left Colorado and I got the opportunity to go work at Thomas Keller's Bouchon, which Thomas Keller is always kind of the chef I've idolized. Right. He's one of the pillars, really. Yeah, Yeah, one of the giants. He really is you know, the greatest or one of in the whole world, you know, and what he's done and stuff like that. And so I got an opportunity to work at Bouchon under a really talented chef de cuisine. And that kind of made me start over, take everything I learned, throw it away and just be like, you don't know anything. (laughs) Shut up and do the work. And, you know, it kind of broke me and started remolding me and I hated it and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But, you know, I, I didn't give up. I remember calling my buddy Paul Urban and be like, I can't do this. This is the worst thing I've ever done. He's like, don't quit. Don't quit. So I would keep going and I just, I didn't give up and I stayed there for about a year and a half. I worked every station and what I learned is still a large portion of what I use today. And mm-hmm. that kind of changed me and that opened doors to kind of, I ended up working at a two Michelin star restaurant in um, Sonoma County. And then, you know, when I met kind of our buddy chef who, you know, lives and works in Germany and that opened up the doors to Italy and, you know, one thing led to another, but it really, you know, that's why the food at the restaurant is what it is. It's just a direct representation of where I've been and what we've kind of done. Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm just so fascinated in just like the process of becoming a chef and everything. When when you talk about those frustrations that that almost broke you, but then you know you were able to rebound, and they you know they almost like because you were able to overcome them, they not only didn't break you, but they made you into who you are. What were those? Like, what was that? What were those moments where you were just like, man, I don't know if this is for me. Um, you know, there was a lot. I mean, just starting from the bottom, you know, I'd been cooking for five years and at Bouchon, you start at the bottom of the bottom and Mm -hmm. you chopped eight to 12 delis quarts of shallots by hand and just sitting there for an hour and a half chopping shallots with, you know, sulfur, just tears running down your eyes. And you're like, what (laughs) am I doing? Why did I, why did I do this? You know, and everybody talks about the pay and the long hours and, you know, it was, it was hard. You know, the chefs were hard. I saw a lot of people at Bouchon quit and just not show up. And just a lot of people in the time I was there that just kind of gave up and couldn't do it anymore. The pressure was high. The chefs were super hard on everybody. Um, you know, things weren't as PC back then as they are now. You right. know, it was, it was a hard environment and it was kill or be killed. And, you know, if you didn't make it, there was another number at the door and they came in and, you know, it was, it was hard. And so, you know, after a while you kind of learn how to be somewhat successful in this, that environment. You know, I don't think I was ever super, super successful, but I did well enough to kind of move up a little bit here and there. And, you know, and I look back now and, you know, I'm grateful for that because that's what made me who I am now. And, you know, had I not been kind of pushed and coaxed and, you know, Meisel, my old chef in Germany, he, you know, he was hard on me, but I learned a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. You don't realize what you have until you leave. But. but yeah, and I imagine those experiences kind of form who you are as a chef now, as you're dealing with sous chefs and and pastry chefs and, you know, even someone as simple as a dishwasher or something like that. Like the experiences that, that you had back then form like – uh, influence is the word I'm looking for. Influence how you treat people and how you run your kitchen today. Yeah, I always joke with my crew and I'm always like, man, you know, I told them today, I was like, man, I wish I worked at a restaurant where we get treated like you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I try to really put my staff first. You know, they all work really hard. We have an awesome crew across the board, front of the house and back of the house. And, you know, and I've always said since day one, you know, it's not, this restaurant is about me and it's about everybody working together. And that's always been very important to me because if I show up and nobody else shows up, I'm not going to be able to run a whole restaurant by myself. I'm mm-hmm. just not. And so we've kind of invested in our staff and a lot of our staff, you know, my sous chef Chovy's been working by my side for almost seven years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chovy's eggs named after him and stuff like that. And, you know, he's a soldier. He just keeps going and, you know, my other sous chef, Lee, she's been there since we opened and Justin's been kind of running the bar since we opened. And, you know, Amanda, our Sam, she left and she came back and went to Chicago and then decided to come back. So, you know, we've had good luck and we've had a good crew and we, you know, I think that's what's kind of made the restaurant what it is. We all kind of work together and push and try to get better. Mm-hmm. Something that I am really, really fascinated in is just the Omaha restaurant scene as a whole, I think, is very slept on nationally. 
but it's starting to get more recognition. And I think we saw this with Yoshitomo and Akron, you know, getting honored this past week. But it, it's been, you know, I've seen more, as I've done research, more articles popping up like, you need to check out Omaha, stuff's happening. And there was one particular article in which uh, Paul Kulik, who is the mm-hmm. chef at Le Bouillon and at Via Farina, he had a quote that he said, there's an incalculable loyalty to Omaha that can't be explained. And I think you are a great person to kind of dive in further on that quote because, yes, you lived in Omaha, and this was, I believe, where you had your first restaurant job, but we mentioned all the places that you've been. You've cooked all over the world, essentially. Why did you end up back here? You know, it's true. I mean, there's something that always ends up drawing you back here. You know, I was tired. I'd been traveling a lot. I was supposed to be moving to New York, and I just... You know, I didn't kind of want to do that, and I was tired, and then, you know, I met my now wife, and I was like, you know, I think it's time to just, you know, it's been 10 years of traveling and running around. I think it's time to kind of just take a break, and, you know, life happens, and, you know, I'm here. Uh (laughs) So, you Uh know, I got... You know, Darian approached me to open a Bavli, and so I kind of had a commitment to that, and so I decided to stay here for that, and just, you know, one thing led to another, and like I said, if you'd asked me five years ago, I said, no way, like, I'm <laughs> out of here, I'm out of here, but, you know, and I, I don't regret it, I'm, I'm here, we're happy, and, uh, you know, we're raising our kids, and, you know, there's that about Omaha, you know, life is a lot more affordable here, and, you know, frankly, I don't think I would have opened a restaurant for another five years had it been somewhere else. You Mm -hmm. know, Carlos, my longtime friend and business partner now had the space for Espana and he was really the one who approached me. And I mean, who knows? I'd have probably still been twirling my thumbs doing who knows what. Well, the Omaha community is very lucky that Carlos approached you and you decided to stay because Akron is fantastic. Um, And actually the same article that Paul had that quote, you were interviewed for the same thing. And you talked about how people in Omaha the last five years have really started to pay attention to food in a new level. Why do you think that is? Can you expand on that quote a little bit? You know, I think people are starting, like you said, you know, people are starting to try new things. People are willing to get outside of their comfort zone. You know, when I left Omaha, you know, this was, you had your seared ahi tuna, your wasabi mayo, <laughs> your slaw. Like, you know, you could literally, every single restaurant had yep, their Reuben. It was the same thing, yeah. It was like everybody, you know, everybody had their um, focaccia, their Thai lavash. You know, literally, yeah. you could literally just. The menus were copy-paste. Exactly. And, you know, and I think what's awesome is that a lot of us left, you know, and a lot of us younger cooks we were hungry for more and we were paying attention at what Wiley Dufresne was doing in New York mm-hmm. while we were in culinary school or we were looking at you know what was going on at El Bulli and you know and one thing led to another we started looking everywhere else see what was happening in this crazy food world and you know it just was so inspiring and one of my old chefs told me he goes you got to leave Omaha he goes if you want to be good, you got to leave Omaha. And so, you know, sure enough, I packed up and I left. And now you're back. Now I'm back. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned Paul Urban earlier. He is one of the chefs and owners at Block 16. Of course, anyone who listens to this podcast knows a thing or two about that. I talk about them every time. 
So here we go. Here's the Block 16 plug. But yes. I, I knew that you guys were friends because he'd mentioned that before. And yeah. so I reached out to him coming into this podcast and I said, is there anything that I need to ask Ben about? And immediately he responded with like four different things. He's like, ask him about this. Ask him about this. Ask him about the time we did this. But then, so I said, oh, okay, thanks. Like, those are all great. And then like half an hour passed. And then he hits me up with another message. He's like, no, here's what you really have to ask him about. So... I'm supposed to ask you about the time that you threatened the Urban family over shrimp that were not properly deveined. Okay. Can we tell that story? Okay. So do you want like my side of the story? So I want your side. I want your side of the story, and then we can force him to come back on. Okay. Well, the way it worked is that we had opened up Darwin Bistro, and I can't, you know, and I was kind of my first sous chef job. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was coming in later one day and I started right at 11. We had to get ready for lunch. And we we started for lunch. We had an order for like a shrimp salad or something. Uh-huh. And there was no shrimp. And then so I got annoyed and was like, you know, it would have been really nice if someone could have peeled, some, peeled and deviated some shrimp this morning so we'd have some shrimp ready to go for this order. Uh-huh. And Paul Urban grabbed a saute pan and he goes, Ben, do not talk shit to me. It's not good for your family. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, that's it. So that's my side of the story. That was probably about, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago now, but it was good. And, you know, we've, Paul and Jess have been so supportive. And, you know, I always joke a lot that I don't think, I'd be here without the support of them because they've at every turn, you know, we, we did a fundraiser at Block 16 to raise money for O'Karan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been awesome. And Paul's just been such a good supporter friend over the years, you know, with just even me opening a restaurant and questions and this and that. It's been awesome to kind of be able to lean on him. But, you know, we've kind of had our stuff, but, you know, we've still remained really awesome friends over the years. Mm-hmm. And that's great to hear. I, I love and that, that kind of goes back to the whole Omaha restaurant community. I feel like so many of you guys are just friends and you support each other to the point where you're competitors in that you are obviously like if someone goes to a meal at block 16, they physically cannot spend that same meal and that same money at all current. So in that way, you're competitors. But on the whole, you're all rooting for each other kind of as this giant community. I think that's something that's unique and makes Omaha, kind of a special place. I don't know if it's like that in other cities. You know, I've heard from other people it's not always like that in other cities, but, you know, we all want to see each other succeed. And, you know, we're all striving for the same goal. We're all doing what we love to do, and we're all trying to be successful at it. And it's a hard business, and so any support or anything we can do for one another, you know, that's how, you know, if one grows, we all grow. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody's serving something better you know it helps us all because people at the end of the day the more people that go out and try new things the more people are going to go try new restaurants and the more you know innovative and new food you're going to see in omaha which would be amazing exactly all right i want to close out here with a bit of a a new segment and this these are just going to be i'm calling it chef's corner and it's just going to be a couple quick hitting questions to just kind of get to know you ben better as a chef what is your greatest joy that you get from being a chef Um, you know, I love everything. I love 
cutting veg for chicken stock. You know, I love straining the chicken stock when it comes out hot and liquid golden brown. Um, you know, I love butchering proteins. I love, I mean, I love everything. You mm-hmm. know, I try to really take pride in every job. I love peeling carrots. I love cooking the line. You know, I love everything. So I don't know. That's kind of a loaded one. But yeah, I I love everything about it. You know, it kind of draws you in. Well, I think that's probably what has made you such a great chef is that you have to have I mean, you've talked about the frustrations and the struggles that can come with this profession. You have to have that love to to make it in this or else this job can, it, it can crush you. Exactly, yeah. And it's just like you got to love peeling, you know, 2,000 Cipollini onions or, uh-huh. you know, you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Uh-huh. If you can't take, you know, if you don't love washing dishes, this probably isn't the job for you, you know, I wash a lot of dishes. We all do, you know, we don't have a dishwasher in the mornings. We all take turns washing dishes. That's just part of it, you know? Uh Uh-huh. So on the flip side of that, what is your greatest frustration with being a chef? Or maybe this could be the same answer or a, a different way to phrase it is, what is maybe something about being a chef or a restaurateur that you feel most people don't know or don't understand? You know, I think people don't always understand the financial pressure or the financial side of things. You know, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a tough business. It's, Mm -hmm. it's 5%, you know, and we're chugging along, but you know, it's, it's still hard to fill that restaurant up on Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday brunch. You know, we're still, we're still not packed all the time and we're not hurting, but you know, we could always do better and, you know, staffing's always a thing and, you know, it's tough to, to manage the staff all the time and make sure everybody's motivated and happy. You know, we've had really good luck, but you know, that's probably kind of what drudges me is like kind of the business side of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, everybody always thinks it's all fun and games, but you know, it's a hard, it's a hard business and you know, that would probably be it. Mm-hmm. What does family meal look like at Akron? <laughs> so we used to have, a actually family meal Instagram account or old oh, song, really? Alex. Yes. And he lost the login for oh, it. No. Yes. And so this is like a huge bummer because everybody like it was actually like gaining traction. I would have loved that. Yeah. It, and it's, I think the account's still open. So there might, you <laughs> still might be super old, but yeah. So, I mean, we take our family meal very seriously every day at four o'clock family meal gets served for all the staff. Um, I mean, I don't know, fish tacos, cheeseburgers, enchiladas, um, who knows? Mm -hmm. Like we get, it just depends on, you know, we've made lasagna with fresh pasta, you know, I don't know. It just kind of whatever we're in the mood for. Chovy makes like the most amazing from scratch runzas you've ever had. Like we've done, you know, Chovy makes the best naan too. So he'll literally oh, make naan from scratch just so we can have like grilled chicken and naan. Oh, that's you know, we amazing. Like, we love to eat just as much as we like to cook. But, you know, when you're serving Akron food, the last thing I want to do is sit down and have look at the food I've been cooking and prepping and plating all day. So it's just staff meals kind of like the holy grail, mm-hmm. kind of our naughty naughty zone where we just whatever who cooks it uh we does it vary by turns day? Yeah. yeah we just take turns usually everybody kind of helps out usually it's just kind of me and chovy just depends chovy 
makes the best rice. Jovi makes a lot of really good stuff that he kind of specializes in. So it'll be like, hey, you do the rice and beans and I'll grill the chicken and we'll sear the tortillas and garmo, you're making salad mm-hmm. and avocado or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we love staff meal. We take it very seriously and it's got, you know, my rule is if you can't cook good food for yourself, how are you going to cook for the guests? So exactly it's important. Now, this last question that I have for you, you might've kind of just answered it in that one, but I feel like from the documentaries I've watched from the books I've read, I feel like there are two very different paths that most chefs take when it comes to cooking in their off time. Some just love cooking so much that when they cook for their family, it's like they are all into it and they're basically doing similar things to what they do in the restaurant. Other ones are either just in the total opposite direction. Either their spouse does all the cooking or they're just grabbing McDonald's on the go and just like getting calories. Where do you fall on that end of the spectrum? Like how do you cook in your, you you don't have very much off time, but in the off time you have. I do love to cook. You know, a lot of times we'll do kind of get togethers or whatnot. We haven't really done a lot of those in a long time. I'm not going to lie. Once we started Okran, it was just so kind of mentally um, and physically draining that I just haven't really cooked as much as I would like to. So I don't mm-hmm. really cook, you know, homes usually like fast and easy, kind of like we just make kind of what we have available, you know, just a quick breakfast or this, that, and the other. Um, but you know, I do still love to cook, you know, I, I have a smoker. I love to do traditional barbecue, you know, and, Usually we'll kind of do like some special occasion stuff. We kind of have like this group of people that's like, hey, this guy likes to eat, that guy likes to eat, all right, we'll call them. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do this or we're going to do that. Like a couple weeks ago in January when we were closed, I had a Serbian buddy and we made like Chevop Chichi from scratch and we like he made the dough and we were like cooking off the bread to order. And so my rule is if you're going to go through the effort to like make something, you need to share it Mm -hmm. because if you don't have anyone to share with then nobody, everybody misses out and that's a bummer. So, uh-huh. and we made chef up chi cheese, like the whole nine yards and it was just fun, you know, cause at the end of the day, I, I probably love eating more than I love cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. All right. Um, well, I, I want to, as we sum up the episode here, I kind of, I, I want to give Okran a plug because this is one of my favorite restaurants, not only in Omaha, but that I've eaten at anywhere. And so the chef's tasting menu, it's six courses, it's $60. That is incredible value. Like most people would hear a $60 meal, that's a little on the pricey side, whatever. When you're getting this amount of food, this quality of food, it's people, I can't put into words like how big of a value this is. Sarah and I were out there, like I mentioned on Friday night, and we got through our third course and we looked at each other and we were like, if this was it, we'd be good. Like the $60 for our first three courses is great. And we still have three courses coming. So if there's any encouragement people that I can give to you to get out to Okran and to do this chef's tasting menu, please just do it. It is fantastic. And now you don't just have to take my silly little word for it. You have a national organization that specializes in, honoring restaurants that is honoring this restaurant so ben thank you so much for joining me today this was a real pleasure um i thank you so much for your time cool thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure to be here yeah of course
All right, Omaha, there's there's your siren. Get out to Okarant, experience just some amazing food, and uh, thanks for reading with me this week. A Parkville Media Production.